You're a musician, aren't you, Dave? Yes, I am. What instrument do you play? Drums. Well, uh, we'll count that. When you love a show on WPSC Brave New Radio at 8 p.m. on Wednesdays, that would answer all your questions about how the music business works. Sort of like a Music Biz 101. Exactly. Wait, isn't there a show on at that time called Music Biz 101 and more that brings faculty and students from WP's music and entertainment management programs together with industry guests that take call-in questions and tweets from listeners about the biz? Yep. It's had all last spring, and it's starting up again every Wednesday at 8 p.m. right here on 88.7 WPSC. Yes! There were great guests like Steve Lees from Sirius Radio and Aaron Van Dyne, who handles business affairs for KISS, Three Doors Down, Dave Matthews Band, and more. Also, Carl Guthrie, legendary entertainment attorney, and Paul Sinclair, VP of Digital for Atlantic Records. So, Steve, who's lined up for this semester? We have Dave Laurie, who will talk about tour management, Sean Rosenberg, a social media guru, and Sean and Rachel from Blue Raven Entertainment, just to name a few. Wow, sounds great. And it's free! That's right. Free advice every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. live at Music Biz 101 and more on WPSC 88.7 Brave New Radio. One, two, three, four. I know what boys like. I know what guys want. I know what boys like. I got what boys like. Boys like Music Biz 101. And more on the radio. Boys like it, girls too. Cause we talk about lots of stuff you wanna know. That All about is right. the music biz. All about the music biz. That's right, it's the music biz 101 and more on the rock and roll radio. Woo! Right. I am your professor, doctor, professor, no doctorate at all, David Philp. You may call me Professor Doctor, Non Doctor, David Philp here. And I'm from William Patterson, the University in the Music Management Department. You can call it Music Business because that's what you would understand. We are on Brave New Radio, 88.7 on your FM dial. Of course, we are here today with always the prestigious and actual real doctor, Dr. Esteban Marconi. When does the next concert uh, contest start? Uh, the contest for your new uh, co-host, correct? That's right. That is yes. right. When does that start? Yeah. On my way out. <laughs> Too much coffee. <laughs> That's right. That is. Uh, Too much coffee. I guys. teach classes in the morning, and this one uh, kid named Chris Severn asks me, "What is your problem? How much coffee do you drink?" And it's all uh, just orange juice with lots of pulp. <laughs> oh, well, well yeah. got to cut, right. cut back on the pulp. Got to cut back on the pulp. It was a great thing. episode of The Sopranos years ago when Tony Soprano yelled <laughs> no at Carmella. Yeah, yeah. Well, I told you not so much pulp, That's you know. Right. <laughs> it was great. So uh, you've heard some other voices on here. We have a very, very special guest today. His name is Chris Butler. Uh, if, you're on, if you're on Facebook, it's Christopher Butler. So we're a little unsure yeah. what we should call you. Oh, Chris is fine. Okay. Hey, you over in the corner is there, okay, uh, too. Hey, that, that guy over there. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Butler, who was in... Was the waitresses actually? He's going to tell us. That I was story. the writer of. I can't. Surely, I didn't sing the songs. But um, um, thank, thank you for that kind of really cool introduction. And I can't believe you played the Boys Like song, which, by the way, was recorded in a basement in Akron, Ohio. On a eight-track machine, so you never know. Nope. You out there in Radio Land, working on your, you know, in your living room with your Garage Band or whatever. You never. So this video, know. that's the video on YouTube, was added after. After the fact, yes, right. yes. Um, and interestingly, to the biz aspect of this, um, it was not recoupable. It, Ooh. our contract was so old back in the early '80s, where a a video shoot 
was still considered advertising and not a promotional item that could be uh, charged against the band. I assume that since it's Music Biz 101, we know what the word recoupable means. Mm -hmm. Okay, just to refresh, recoupable means uh, charged back to the artist. Always Um, to the artist. Always to the artist, yes. Um, uh, So uh, you may get an advance for royalties, or there might be a a whole slew of expenses. You know, that great party and that limo you took from the airport? Well, don't be surprised that that didn't show up. Who pays? Yeah, who pays? The artist pays. Well, In the old days, in the old days. Now the artist pays, but... It's it's more direct <laughs> because there is no record company to pay really to, to to pay that. But that's another story. So continue, Professor. Fink. Right. So yes, so that I, is a little sneak preview of the knowledge that Chris slash Christopher Butler is going to provide to us. We're going to talk all all about. His, he brought his uh, his performance royalty organization statement from yep. BMI. Yep. Confidential. And, uh, we're going to talk about streaming. We're going to talk about all sorts of cool stuff with him. But in a moment. Uh, we are going to do that. Right now, we want you to know that it is Music Biz 101 and More, the radio show. It is also a podcast that you will be able to listen to on Stitcher.com very soon. You can visit us on the web, musicbiz101wp.com. We are on Twitter, and we are actually taking your questions now at musicbiz101wp. Go to Instagram, look at pictures that we already put up of Chris Butler, of myself, and also a very impressive student guest that we have tonight. Stephen, would you please introduce our student guest? Yes, I will. She is a graduating senior, actually, getting out a little early because she jumped on her courses and took more courses than she had to each semester. And she's (laughs) Rebecca Morris. And you are doing an internship where? Uh, Yeah, right now I'm interning with Effective Immediately PR, which is a music PR firm in Manhattan. They do, you know, publicity and they also do some artist development. They have a marketing team. And right now I'm on the publicist side. So great. And how the prospects look in January? Uh, they're looking good. Actually, the senior publicist, Beatrice Bugnosen, who is amazing, that I work with very closely, she told me today that uh, she talked to the CEO yesterday and told him that when I end my internship in December, she wants me on her team full time. Hey, hey. So, uh, hey, yeah. Hey. Can, we, can we applaud hey, that? Yes. I yes, think we should yes. applaud that. So, yes. that's you can get started paying back those student loans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know it. Student loans aren't recoupable, are they? <laughs> no, they're not. No, they're not. Sadly, no. And we continue with my and Professor Phillips' usual saying, because that when you're an inter- when you are in an internship and they really want you and they enjoy your work and your knowledge and you come fully prepared, they'll ask you, "When are you done?" When are you done? Hmm. Yeah. So hmm. it actually is. Life after WPU, which we keep emphasizing. <laughs> and it is very true, because she was asking me that like a month and a half into my internship. And as soon as I got the, hey, Rebecca, when are you done? I was like, I'm in. I made it. I've made it. I'm here. It's great. Yeah, it and is. we also have. And we also have, of course, our very famous and esteemed and quite awesome producer. His name, Philip Gorak Hovsky. And what is very um, actually special about tonight is because one week from today, we're going to have two people from his household, aren't we, on this show? We are going to have Philip Gorkovsky, who is also going to be our student co-host, which makes sense because he is the producer. But 
The father co-host will be Philip's father, Jim Nellia, the personnel manager for the New Jersey Symphony Orchestra, and also the wow. author wow. of what? I said, wow. Yes, very wow, which is a palindrome spelled forward and backwards. Same thing. Yeah. He's also the author of Onward and Upward, which is a memoir that I just completed over the weekend. And it's a very wonderful, interesting read. So we're going to talk oh, about cool. that. He, the, book, the copy I have, he actually autographed for me. I've lent it to Dr. Stephen Marconi, who is hopefully going to return it unblemished. Evelyn Wood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read it in one hour. Breathe it. It's, it is right. That is really dating us. Uh, Rebecca, yeah, Philip, right, have right. you ever heard of Evelyn Wood reading? Speed reading, speed reading. No. Yeah. Really? Oh, really? Oh, wow. Good, oh. good for producer Philip, because I have you not. No idea. So. Yeah. That was, it was a, it was a supposedly a technique to go to, to your read. Use your read. finger down the middle, and uh, it, apparently oh. retention is like terrible. And you could retain it, supposedly. Well, right. Supposedly. Oh, see, I had heard of the concept of speed reading. I just had not heard of. Evelyn Wood. Evelyn Wood. Yeah, that was a franchise. Well, now I know. Kind of like Pizza Hut. (laughs) Probably (laughs) not as tasty as Pizza Hut. And is that the end of the semester? Then we're going to have one more uh, ah. on the 17th of December. We're going to have a couple weeks off because of basketball. Mm-hmm. So uh, that'll be okay because uh, people are going to still know all about Music Biz one more because we have the podcast. So people are going to be get, getting that and we're going to be promoting that. Uh, we should let people know that right now you can <clears throat> call us or text us a question for Chris Butler. Phone number is 973-720-2738. Again, for those of you dialing at home, 973-720-2738. And when are we going to hear the theme song? The theme song, we will announce the winner on December 17th, mm-hmm. and we are going to have the contest winner on January 14th with Lauren Marsh, who is a up-and-coming DIY artist who's done some very interesting things. She graduated from our popular music studies program wow. last year. So we not only have a music business program, Chris, we have a popular music I, studies I, I program. I want to go back to school. You should go back <laughs> to I school. I need to learn all this stuff. <laughs> That's right. I do. I well, you're going to do a little bit of teaching to us very soon. Yeah. I'll do my best. I you should promise. get your MBA in this. Did you go to college? Yeah, yeah. Went to Kent State. Oh, duh. I should have known I, that because of Kent State because we actually have a song that we're going to play that relates to your time yeah. at Kent State. Yeah. Uh, but before, let's see, we've covered all this stuff. The only thing I want to say is I want to give the definition of what Music Biz 101 and more is. And it is <clears throat> the only free advice college radio music and entertainment biz talk show and podcast in all of the Americas in human history. Hallelujah. Every America. Wow. Hallelujah. Wow, yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Sure. This is great for asking those nervous questions like how do you fire the drummer and, and, and how do you make sure that the drummer uh, doesn't quit? Because, you know what? That the, the, the wasn't what I meant. Oh, what I meant to say is should or should you not do one of the drummer's songs? I think that's, that's, <laughs> that's what I was trying to say. That's that's kind of the question. Unless it's answer. Phil Collins, probably. Unless no. it's Phil Collins. <laughs> well, so, okay, Chris. All right. Akron. Yes, sir. And that's where the sound comes from. Why Akron? Um, why Akron? Um, put it this way. Akron Kent had um, a Devo. Mm-hmm. And um, Cleveland and the rest of the world had, um, I don't know, the monkeys or something. Um, <laughs> there was something in the water. There was something in the working ethic. There was something in the alienation of, of the factory life there. Akron being, at the time, um, a... Um, uh, uh, the number one place in the rubber industry. Um, mm-hmm. uh, everybody I knew in my college was Kent. My friends were all second, third generation uh, rubber worker families, many middle mm-hmm. management, mm-hmm. sometimes um, uh, guys on the factory lines. 
um, uh, first-time college kids. Uh, everybody worked their way through school. Um, very uh, Midwestern work ethic uh, applied to um, uh, a, very, a creative spirit. Uh, Kent, in this case, and Akron U to a great degree as well, um, had fantastic, fantastic art, film, and English departments. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you got polluted really fast with all kinds of culture. And uh, um, it was very sti- very stimulating environment. Mm-hmm. And also, um, right outside of Akron, about 20 miles away, is the town of Kent. And Kent was unique in that it had a kind of Petri dish uh, set of clubs on a strip called Water Street where eight to nine uh, different clubs each had an original band in it. Mm. And the audiences went there demanding that you write, demanding that you hear something different. So there was this incredible uh, outlet. Uh, outlet and or there was a place to play. You could earn a living yeah. as a musician playing original music. That's and, you know, Which unheard of. Unheard sure, of, right? unheard Except of. for places maybe like, so comparable to Athens, Georgia, and um, Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. Ann Arbor, Michigan, maybe Silver Lake later on. Um, but the interesting thing is Kent and, you know, those are all, uh, those other cities are all very prestigious and cool and Kent and Akron are kind of like, you know, rumdum. Yeah, it's interesting because those, <laughs> the sounds of several of the bands you mentioned seem to be more urban. Urban, industri- but, 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 industrial, industrial, and industrial. urban, and yet it's here in the middle of Ohio. Yeah, well, you know, Ohio ain't, you know, Ohio was funny because you had these huge, huge factory towns, Akron, yeah. Cleveland, Youngstown, steel, automobiles, um, Standard Oil, General Electric, um, on and on and on. Um, but then the rest is, you know, corn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, near the water. I corn mean, and pigs. Ohio has enough rivers and enough yeah, water enough rivers, right. to support that whole industrial yeah, Right, right, right. Exactly. You're right on you know, Lake Erie, so you had all that. Yeah. You're tied to the Great Lakes, so you get iron ore from the Wasabi Range, and you know, we would always, you know, take you know the, the high school trip for right. us. I, I went to school in Cleveland, so we would take the high school trip, and uh, they would do it in Akron too. They 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 schlep all the kids up to the lake and watch the ore freighters come in from uh, uh, Masabi Range. So you know, where do you think industri- super industrial or or what was the influence? <clears throat> Of these bands, I mean, were they listening to whom? Do you think at the time? Oh, well, I, I if I could use a, you know, a plural pronoun, we were listening to Beefheart. We were listening to um, all the crazy English um, uh, musicians uh, uh-huh. from Canterbury, uh, Robert Wyatt, Soft Machine, um, uh, Krautrock stuff, Can, um, uh, and then you know the most outside jazz people we could, um, uh, Orna Coleman, um, um, Eric Dolphy. Sure. Uh, Miles and all that, and all his iterations. Um, we were basically uh, music snobs um, that were very much influenced us. I, and as well, and this is very, very key, um, uh, you know, the, the real, the real, real, you know, Delta, Delta Blues and or Chicago Blues. Kent was also blessed because it was on the kind of um, blues trail Chitlin circuit. So we would get everybody in our club called The Cove. We would get... Um, Charlie Muscle White. We would get um, uh, Hound Dog Taylor. Oh, real we guy. would get all these casts. And plus, we were two hours away from Ann Arbor, and Ann Arbor every year had the Ann Arbor Jazz and Blues Festivals, sure, sure. which was fantastic. We see Magic Sam and One String Sam and all the other Sams. <laughs> uh, they were in, in doing blues. It was fabulous. Uh, you know, I got to see Buddy Waters. You know. So um, how did the waitresses form? Waitresses are, were was a spinoff from another band I was in. Um, I was lucky enough to play in. Um, 
uh, a wonderful, uh, they're still going, a wonderful music group called 156075, a.k.a. the Numbers Band, started by Terry Hind. That name should be familiar to people for the uh, name, his sister, little sister, Chrissy Hind, right. um, uh, from the Pretenders. So Terry plays reeds, and his friend, uh, uh, partner, um, Robert Kidney plays guitar and bought everything else. And Robert and uh, Terry started this band called 156075, and they are, were and are still unbelievably phenomenal and uh, impressive uh, uh, and influential on all that scene. I was in it. Jerry Casale from Devo was in it. Um, we all, we all quote-unquote, did time in that band. It was the best gig. It was the most thing to learn. The, 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 uh, Bob was very generous with with his... his, his uh, curmudgeonly method of organizing a band but we all learned we all learned a lot so i was in that band i began to write songs stimulated by bob and terry and um um i came up with a couple songs but i uh, but the numbers band was unbelievably heavy heavy midwestern work ethic I and mean, we know i don't know if people know about this but being in a band in the midwest you know your gig you were the one band on the on the on the bill and you play three one hour sets mm-hmm. You know, you don't do this forty-five minute thing. Yeah, you know, forty-five minutes and ten right. seconds in New York. The, you know, everybody's everybody's eyes are glazing over. When are you going to get off stage? Right. No, it was three one-hour sets. Yes. You know, and so one, you got really good. Two, you had to fill that space with stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, three, you had to solo a long time, stretch your solos <laughs> so you could fill up the time. Right. Um, all of that was real influential, and Numbers Banner is key to that. Yeah. All right, but it took a lot of work to be in that band, and so the easiest answer. Uh, my friend uh, and I, um, Liam Sternberg, who went on to write Walk Like an Egyptian for what, Mangles, mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. Um, we said, okay, instant, easy solution, let's start a fake band. Let's just, just come up with a name. Okay, he said, uh, Jane Eyre of the Belvedere's. All right, we were drinking coffee at this, you know, crappy uh, pancake restaurant, and this waitress came, over, waitress came over, and I said, all right, waitresses. Yeah, funny. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 we both came up with these fake bands and began to assign the songs that we were writing to these fake bands and kind of that's where it started. I I was the quote vocalist for the first couple ones and then I met our uh, Patty Donahue. Um uh was kind of a girl about town in Kent and we became buddies and uh, I had the song actually a, a precursor to I know what boys like called the comb and I said, you know, I kind of need, uh, I'd like a female voice on this. And, you know, you ever do this? Said, yeah, I sang in high school. Said, okay, great. Come on, let's do it. And she did it. I, she, I thought she killed. She was funny. She was smart, a great actress. You know, just what I needed. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. Know? So anyway, then various other iterations uh, joined Tin Huey. Tin Huey ran its course, <clears throat> moved to New York, um, was able to uh, get record company interest in I Know What Boys Like. Um, and they needed a B-side for a single, they being um, uh, Island Antilles, um, Chris Blackwell's label, um, mm-hmm. her uh, Korshak's label, and um, through a DJ named um, Mark Caymans, I was able to get in the door there, and they, and they asked me, where's your band? I said, I, 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 uh, <laughs> back in Ohio, so I rounded up some Midwestern folks, and we put a band together, and, you know, Patty was in and out of college, out at this um um, luckily, at this moment, and um, I wired her my last 50 bucks, and we put the band together in New York and de- debuted officially June 3rd, 1981, mm-hmm. at 
Little Saint, Little Club Fifty Seven on Saint Mark's Place. Mm-hmm. So that's we kind of became real because kind of had to. Right. No. So, right. Great. It's a great reason to become real, though. Well, you know, <laughs> somebody yeah. says, hey, "I'd like to yeah. sign you to a record contract." Well, you know? yeah, yeah, because they said everybody said, "Oh, Boys Like is going to be a hit, going to be a hit," you know. And all right, because I mean, I, no, I'm stammering and and being sarcastic because <clears throat> I just told you I was a a, a a a a a college snob, college music snob. You know, I mean, Coltrane, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Sun Ra. Let's talk about Sun Ra, mm-hmm. and then out comes this little song. You know, I'm sorry. You know, I I it was kind of like, well, you know, okay, you like it. Well, all right, cool. But but you know, but then on the other hand, I was like. You like that, but you don't like all the weird stuff I've done. <laughs> well, maybe there's a chance I can I can wedge my weirder stuff in, which so I thought I'd take it. So well, then the could I ask just okay. I'm sorry, just a quick Please. question about the the song. Yeah, I know what boys like right. because you you brought up the whole okay, I'm a musical snob, and then you made the joke that's actually real. Yeah, the chorus at the end of the song, you know, she does it once, and then she goes nyan 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 nyan. Whose idea is that? Your idea was that me. Patty's idea? No, that's me. I, it's it, it's it's on the demo. Um, I I had I had I had read, or I remembered from one of my sociology courses that or anthropology courses that almost every culture. Okay, um, back up a little bit. What is the job of a songwriter? A songwriter is supposed to make a hit. What is a hit? Well, it's got to sing about something universal. So I remember reading in what, uh, one of these classes, one of my textbooks, that all cultures have some kind of nya 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 um, children's chant. And I thought, <laughs> okay, all right. So if, if I throw in a nya nya chant, maybe that'll be universal. Maybe it'll be a fabulous, you know, worldwide hit or whatever. Um, so that's that's where that came from. Mm-hmm. Um, that is very. That is really interesting. Yeah. So yeah. I, so I'm the only person I know to really put my sociology degree to work. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's so this is the uh, time of video, 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 of right, course. Right. And so the video was added after, after after the fact. It was it was a novel new thing. Oh my god, making a making a video. I mean, for what this this junk little startup MTV TV thing? Oh, it's yeah, not going right, to last. Right. It's not going to last. Well, you know what? Actually, they kind of got a lot of label support. Maybe. All right, band says our A and R guy um, uh, Jerry Jaffe at Polygram. Maybe we should make a one of these video things. <laughs> and and you know, well, okay, we're not actors, but we did take you know do film work in in college. So right. you know, and some plays. What I was I was did some theater too. So oh oh sure, we know all about that stuff. Um, anyway, um, through friends of friends, we were able to to be one of the f- to make a video that was one of the first. Um, uh, videos to ever be on MTV. Um, interestingly, um, uh, the whole idea of getting into the music biz aspect of this, a video is, uh, and getting back to the original comment of recoupment, a video is um, uh, expensive. And it was, uh, at the time though, it was still considered an advertising medium and not something you would charge off and make recoupable against uh, artist royalties. So we actually didn't have to pay for it. In fact, it was the other way around. They actually gave us 50% uh, uh, participation in, in some ah. kind of usage because this video thing was, wasn't was going to catch on. It was right. all about the music, man. It's not the visuals. So who put the concept together for that? Um, it, was a, it was a concept from our, um, uh, us as well as the filmmakers. Uh, at the time, um, there's, a, there's, an anim- there's an animation section 
um, yes. uh, in in the middle of it, the sax solo. At the time, there was um, um, a radio station called WPLJ that was a rock and roll station, and they were using uh, uh, this wonderful uh, visual technique during their uh, television commercials where they would um, take some still frames from film, color Xerox it, and then reshoot it. And um, then they'd intercut them uh, and mix it up. And mm-hmm. so uh, the people that made that were friends of ours, or through friends of friends, we, we got, got to meet them, um, Ed and Ruthie. And um, they uh, were hired by the label to to do that special effect of theirs where they would excuse me, take, take maybe every... Every tenth frame or something, color Xerox it, scratch it up, re, you know, redo it again, then reshoot it and intercut it. Yeah. So there was a there was a technique in there, and we we thought it was very at the time it was pretty arty and pretty cool. Nobody yeah. really used animation, yeah. you know. Sure. Yeah. Um. Anyway, it was a really low budget video, and you know the old fake lip sync performance. Well, it video. was so early too because it was, uh, you know, as the video started, many times the videos were just a picture. Yeah. of the band playing live, and then maybe the bass player's girlfriend in a bikini. Exactly, had, got <laughs> wiggling her, across. A, yes. Put a fan on her and have the yes, have her hair blowing right, right, yeah. the Jordan water girl. on her or whatever. The Jordan, and that was a concept. And then now, what was what eventually started was a nonlinear yes. video where right, there was right. no beginning, middle, and end. It right. was just, and that looked like that. You know, when I saw the that video, I said, "Gee, that's one of the first. That's one of the early concept." Yes. Videos. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we yeah. were, you know, Aces <clears throat> and all these Akron bands are pretty smart cookies, and and we kind of knew our film, and uh, mm-hmm. and it was it was an opportunity to try and do something quote different because. We were from Ohio, man. We're not cool, yeah, you know. Right. So you know, there's no way, there's no way, you know, we're going to be taken as cool. So we had to, we had to be smart, yeah, um, yeah. Or, or and or at least come up with something that would be visually appealing, other than just sitting there going strum, mm-hmm. strum, strum, mm-hmm. looking cool because mm-hmm. that yeah. hit us. Uh, we're going to go into a break real quick right now uh, and do uh, a little bit more of I know what boys like. And yeah, then, uh, then when we come back, we're going to talk a lot about streaming. We're going to answer your tweets. Uh, okay. I want to talk briefly about Kent State. Sure. And uh, we'll be right back. Music Biz 101 and more. Tweet us at Music Biz 101WP. Call us, Texas 973-720-2738. See you soon. How can I make money in the music business? Why copyright? Should I make a CD anymore? Trying to break into the music and entertainment biz? Wondering how the business works? Wondering how guys like Elton John and MC Hammer go bankrupt? Why am I not making any cash? Tune in to WP Brave New Radio every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. Hang with the university's music business faculty hosts, me, Steve Marconi. And me, Dave Phil. Plus, we'll have industry guests and students from the music management program. How do I get gigs down at the shore? Call in with your questions and hear the latest in industry happenings. How do I get my music on iTunes? How do I get on a tour? It's Music Biz 101 and more every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Only on WP Brave New Radio. Your secretary's got our checks, right? Mine's direct deposit, I think. (laughs) You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. This is Music Biz 101 and more. We're actually going to bring this into the lyrics so you can actually hear 
the lyrics for a second once Neil Young comes out. Was this Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, or just Neil Young? Uh, C, C, and Z, and, and Young. Okay, here it is. Listen for it. Right. So uh, Dallas Taylor. We, we wanted Dallas to Taylor. play that. Dallas yeah. Taylor, I think, on, the, on the drums, yeah. I think so. uh, great track. Wanted to get the lyrics in there because we're listening, by the way, Music Biz 101 and more. We have Chris Butler from The Waitresses. Chris was on campus the day in 1970 when National Guard troops fired on students at Kent State. That is true. Um, what can you share with that? I mean, this song came out of that. And, this right. was a great and I have a little tidbit about this song as well. Um, first off, yeah, I was on campus. I was with my friend Jeff Miller. Um, Jeff Miller was a great buddy from um, um, Plainview, uh, Long Island. Um, I had lent him my set of drums because you couldn't. He, they had a house. He had a house. He and his buddies from Pla- Plainview, and uh, um, we would get together. I would. Uh, I had bought a bass. I was playing bass. He would play drums. We'd you know put on a record, whatever, Cream, Live Dead, whatever, and just make fools of ourselves and ha- have a great time. But I was on campus with Jeff that that day, and. Um, uh, I was in the parking lot area, and Jeff and I were walking towards the guard. The guard had already decided um, that this was a losing proposition for them, so they were retreating up the hill. And I had a I had a small plastic bucket, and um, the, what you would do would be put put water in it, then you'd dip your bandana in, it, and um, the, the idea was that uh, it would filter out tear gas because there was tons of tear gas being fired. Of course, dumb hippies, we didn't know that, that pepper gas was water-soluble, but hey. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, I, 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 had, I had run out of um, water, and I said, Jeff, I'll be right back. And uh, there was a tap over on the side of the storm, and maybe 30, 40 feet away. I hustled over there, filled my, my, my bucket, was walking back where I had left. Jeff kind of lost him in the two, three hundred kids crowd, and as I was walking up to where I had left him, the guard on top of the hill, um, uh, in my opinion and recollection, turned on command and fired and left um, four uh, students dead uh, and 19 wounded? 13 wounded. I'm sorry, I, I, I don't recall that number of wounded, but a good pile. I think the closest... The closest uh, kid was like 60 yards away. Mm. Um, so, uh, and that's a whole other discussion, but um, instantly, um, uh, that was obviously a really <laughs> severe life-changing moment. Uh, I didn't know Jeff had been killed until seeing um, his picture on the CBS Evening News. Um, interestingly, in the crowd was myself, um, also Jerry Casale and Mark Mothersbaugh from Devo, Terry Hines from the Numbers Band, um, um, a few other folks, I think, who went on to be part of the James Gang. Um, my point is, that how did it affect us? Well, um, I, I, I have a suspicion, and I certainly can't speak for them, but I think that um, um, uh, after that experience, we couldn't, we, or I certainly felt that I couldn't be part of this culture 
uh, that was shooting at us, and so we had to come up with something different. And um, I believe that um, the music business at the time, even though as crummy as a business it was, was a pretty viable alternative. And um, uh, music and film and art, um, all of which, uh, you know, had, all of which, you know, <coughs> the modern artist, music artist kind of has to contend with. Because it is a visual medium and it is, you know, advertising and all this stuff. So, um, uh, well, I know you can. Uh, I was in the business at the time, right. and you're speaking for all of us. Yeah, because we all felt the same thing. Right, right. I mean, it was just any any concert you then played. Right. Within the next three four months, it was that was a discussion. Yeah. And and we were all part of the counterculture by that point. And here's the thing about that song. That's they. That was a real quick thing. Neil was inspired to write it and do all this. Um, David Crosby. And Graham Nash have come back to Canton and done benefits. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, not one penny of publishing money has gone um, from uh, the New York camp um, to uh, victims' families to the May Fourth Task Force. Now, to be fair, there have been kind of make uh, 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 free concerts, and uh, Graham Nash has come back and um, given uh, speeches, and has been, very, been actually very supportive of the the movements but as far as i know and if i am wrong i apologize please don't sue me <laughs> but um i believe that that no funds generated by that song ever found their way back to um either the may 4th task force or the victims families mm. Mm. so this gets back to the biz aspect of things and publishing and here by grace of publishing go i because um in 1981 um our record label um prez uh, michael soka had an idea to oh let's let's make a christmas album you know let's 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 get all our artists to do a christmas song just like phil Spector's uh <laughs> christmas record um well here's the problem um all the artists, well, a lot of the artists on Michael Z.E. records were really twisted, and 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 you <laughs> did not, you did not expect, you know, warm, fuzzy, f- holiday greeting feelings from Alan Vega from Suicide, <laughs> and and uh, or you know all these kind of other bent bent people, but so we thought, all right, great idea, <clears throat> sure, Michael, maybe I'll forget about it, but he didn't. And so I had to come up with a song. We were booked into Electric Lady in August of 81 and um, came up with a song. And uh, thankfully, because I retained the publishing and because Michael made, you know, made good on his desire to and his idea to release this record, um, I have much to my incredible surprise have a, a song that is revived every year about this time and um i don't think i can say it's a standard but maybe it's semi-classic i don't know um i'm i'm always flabbergasted by it uh it apparently it means an awful lot to an awful lot of people around the holiday season and, and, and yeah. i'm th- and thank you thank you, you very, very much let's play a little bit of it right yeah here. Oh, i'm so excited <laughs> This is Rebecca's and my favorite Christmas song. Oh, yeah. I just told him this is like the kickoff to my holiday season right now. The fact that this is playing right now. No kidding. So excited. It's the first time I ever use a Marshall And that's you on guitar. Blue box. Now I get some Tracy Wormworth on board. And Phil Pepper on drums. Here comes the bass line. This makes the song right here. 
Is that an airplane sound? Or that poor sound effect flop. What we were trying to do, we were looking, we only we only had like two and a half days, three days to do this. I wanted to do, when she goes, you know, uh, dull bah humbug, it's, she's supposed to get splashed, you know, by the slushy wave of, of, of dirty New York City cabbie water, you know, and she was, and we couldn't, we tried all these things to make this splashy noise and, you know, nobody had the sound effect, it was, it failed. <laughs> I love this right here. When you wrote the song, yeah. were you thinking, I want to put the horns there? Did that happen organically as you were recording no, we, it? We, 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 I, I, I had laid out the arrangement, and I came up with a little bits. Kudos to everybody who played on it, but, but I, I came up with it. I did not orchestrate it. That was Mars and our friend Dave Buck playing trumpet. And um, I did come up with a basic bass line. Uh, I can claim credit for that, but obviously Tracy just took it and turned it into something that I could never do. And 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 uh, we had really good musicians in our band, and, and they took my little feeble ideas and, and turned it into you know pretty good arrangement. Mm. And here's the middle section. Yeah. You have to be so proud when no, you. This no, would be one of those no, things no, when I would hear this, I'd be like, I, I wrote that. I, I'm so. Well, you know, this is like this. Is, and this is kind of that. Um, you wanted to talk about a, about a boy. Which is uh, uh, by Nick Hornby. Nick Hornby. Hornby right. um, uh, that uh, was made of a film with um, Hugh Grant. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the premise is that this kind of spoiled uh, kid uh, is basically living off his father's songwriting royalties because his father wrote a kind of sappy Christmas song. And I, I keep teasing my kid, my 15-year-old, about this. And, you know, you're going to be able to... Because it's... Uh, you know what? Right now, the copyright is what um, life of the composer plus seventy years. Right. All right, mm -hmm. so 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 the kid's gonna get. He's got an annuity. You know, just don't <laughs> don't 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 be like Hugh Grant. You know, don't be like <laughs> Hugh Grant. Christmas <laughs> is not going away. Christmas is not going away, and hopefully, maybe the song. But every year though, comes up, and I go, oh man, I forgot about it this year. I know it won't happen. It's over. It's over. Can you live now? Let's let's talk about when we okay. read the biz. Okay, um, biz. You have two parts of this song that we're talking about. We're yes. listening to the master recording. That's true. And we also are listening to the underlying song That's itself. Right. That's right. So you're earning two forms of revenue right there. And we haven't even talked about your BMI statement, the performance royalty right. for right. like a render radio station. Right. Um, I'm sure the uh, the people who are taking the, the courses and you know are aware that that a song has a variety of different. Um, well, this is the old paradigm we're talking about. The uh, a song has a variety of different uh, bundled rights that go along with it, and each one has a. Uh, a fee structure um, uh, associated with it. If it's used in a film, that's called a sync license, and it varies between writer, publisher. You know, what, which which part of all this, and which which way the these various pies are divided. Um, also, the um, uh, the actual recording of.
of the song as a master recording, and there's certain rights attributed to that. I do not own that particular master recording of the song. That is owned by the person who paid for it, which is usually the rule. In this case, it's our record company, which is mm -hmm. now, was Polygram, now UMG, Universal Music Group. Um, they have a certain amount of rights bundled with, with, with that particular recording. Now, I as writer and I as publisher, um, the Spice Girls of all people recorded a version of that song now as writer and publisher um um they are and due to the compulsory license ruling uh, um uh, uh, statute in in american copyright law or world copyright law now uh, anybody can record it as long as there's compensation so um i certainly went ahead and said okay spice girls you would you were only the biggest pop group at the time and they didn't do a particularly great version of it um <laughs> but uh, uh they were uh, you know, um, and I'm right now. I'm kind of curling up uh, and shrinking uh, with with a little bit of uh, uh, kind of embarrassment because it really wasn't a very good version. But <laughs> if you put it on a record at the time, a, C a CD, <clears throat> you know there is a there is another revenue stream generated called a mechanical license. Did they pay the full statutory rate? They did. Nobody usually gets full stat, and to be exactly. honest, I do not remember. I I believe they did pay full stat, which is really unusual. Mm -hmm. And at the time, at the time, uh, the statutory mechanical rate was, I think, seven point five cents. What um, year was it? Um, it was nineteen ninety eight. Ninety eight. Yeah, roughly yeah. something. Roughly like seven that. like that. Because I think yeah. it was seven point five because it sold three million copies. You do the math. Mm -hmm. Um. um in terms of th that ain't exactly a limousine life, but as I say, now my kid can go to the absolute, absolute best state college he can find. <laughs> or trade school. Or, or trade school, right. 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 Yeah. You know, uh, Ivy League, forget it, kid, unless you get a scholarship. But, but uh, um, uh, so the mechanical license, um, 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 I believe for once in my life I got full stat. Usually you barter, you barter away... Um, the, the, the standard negotiating trick for, for um, uh, not trick, but kind of dance, shall we say, step in the dance, is um, you, know, you ask for full stat, uh, full rate, which I believe now is 9.1 yeah, cents, uh, okay, and, uh, or one something for uh, every every minute, whatever. Um, 1.75. Uh, okay, over five right, right. I'm impressed that I still know that. Um, <laughs> um, so you have full stat, but usually what you do is you say, well, you know, they ask for a reduction to say 75% of stat because it's a big, you know, it's a big outlay for poor, poor record companies. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's a big outlay for them, but then you counter with, well, I need an advance then. I, I need a publishing advance, right. and and that's that's usually where the dance goes, and so you get, you know, a, a certain. The, 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 then everybody argues about you know how much of the advance is usually based on the projection of sales. Mm -hmm. um, uh, maybe they think you you know you have faith um, ten ten thousand um, records, maybe five thousand records, you know times all right, you know, point uh, seventy five of. 7.1, no, sorry, 9.1 cents, mm -hmm. you know, that'll be, you know, your advance maybe. Um, mm -hmm. So it's usually a trade-off. And the reason why you would do that is keeping a band going and together is expensive. <laughs> um, and um, you often are, since the game is kind of rigged, you are often short of operating funds. And 
um, or some, you know, the <clears throat> drummer in the band, whatever, decided to go out and, you know, buy himself some, you know, uh, race car. Now he can't make his payments. You're always the drummer. No, always the drummer. <laughs> so I'm going to pick drum? on the drum. I, I play uh, drums too, so I am you know, a culpa, but I didn't go out and, you know, I didn't go out and buy myself a Porsche. But I know there are drummers who did. And, um, <laughs> and usually, you know, they, they make those first couple payments and then it's like, oops. So, um, did you guys uh, own the publishing too? Um, I own all the publishing to my songs. Okay, um, so I, I have an admin, admin deal. You administered through. Uh, um, um, I I was administered. Okay, let me think about this. I had a sub. I was admin first for Warner's. Uh, um, it was carryover from the Tin Huey days, and then that ran its course, and I did not re up. I wanted out. Um, I I administered my own publishing for approximately fifteen, maybe twenty years, but then and it was dor- you know Christmas wrapping and all this was kind of dormant for like five to eight years, mm-hmm. you know I mean the yield old news, but then little by little the songs got rediscovered and and Christmas wrapping you know became a, a kind of seasonal favorite, and um, um, it was stuff that I could handle and or I with my wonderful attorney, Mr. Ron Beanstalk, who I understand has been a guest on this program. Yes, he has. And, uh, Ron, um, uh, and, and, you know, advised me on how to, how to do this until it got to be frankly too much. And I was, you know, I'd reached a limit of my knowledge and skill. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was approached by, um, uh, spirit music group, a new startup started by Mark Freed, who was, um, I think I got his his title correct. Artist relations with BMI for a long, 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 long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark started an independent publishing company, um, and um, I was uh, lucky enough to to be um, uh, asked to uh, you know join their their group, and I've been with them ever since. Mm-hmm. And they've exploded. Yeah. Should we get to some tweets? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm looking for something that uh, totally makes sense to the Christmas. Um, one question we want to know is, um, and I don't know if I asked it exactly like this: between the uh, the pro, the publishing, and whatever royalties you get from Universal, who owns the master recording yeah, now, yeah, can you make it? Could you make a living off I, the I, one song? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, um, not in the New York area. which is why Akron is looking real good right now I mean I mean we're not you know we're 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 not talking you know I I could I could make under under six figures Mm -hmm. um, which is a decent middle class class life if you're if you're um, uh, frugal and 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 a responsible person I do not have outlandish tastes Mm -hmm. and thankfully I never the only real drug habit I have is nicotine and caffeine um, both of which are you know I would not advise Especially if you're an old geezer like me, but um, so um, I, I I could and can live, you know, within my means. Um, um, it is not, um, you know, this. It's a popular song. It's more popular in England of all places than here. Um, thankfully, England's England's pay scale is skewed much better than the Americans' um, uh, royalty. Uh, royalty um, figures. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, UK. Thank you, BBC. Uh, Thank you, uh, Capital Radio. Thank you, um, Channel Four. Thank you, all all the all the UK media. Um, okay, um, let's get to some tweets. All right. So we got tweet number one. Am I allowed to say who from? Yes. We keep them anonymous. All right. So this is from uh, at Rico Jazz Twenty Six. I apologize if I butchered your handle. <laughs> um, so question is. 
at this point, do you still have to do anything to promote Christmas wrapping every year? Um, I personally um, know other than than do as much social media as I can. If I if there's a spotting, um, you know that's cool and fun. You know I'll let everybody know. Um, I do run a contest um, that the first person who contacts me hearing it um, uh, in some public uh, uh, place um, uh, on on Black Friday afternoon on Black Friday, I donate money to uh, in their name. To um, Hoboken's, uh, I live in Hoboken. Hoboken's um, children, um, children's library fund. Oh, wow. um, you know, so um, I play with that. Um, my publishing administrator, I know, pitches it and plugs it. Um, oh, okay. Um, that is, that is. I, I do not have the contacts or resources. Although, if I meet somebody, I will mention it. But um, <laughs> it, it is, it is. That's why I have that's, an administrator. That's do. why I have an admin do it. You know, they're all times. They're among other things. They're old time song pluggers, and I, I assume that that term is not. It's very. It's an. Uh, you know. Archaic term, but a song plugger is someone who actually goes out with a bunch of songs on their arm and pitches um, uh, advertising agencies, uh, anybody making commercials, um, people recording a record. Oh, you know, I've got these um, songs uh, hit. Uh, potentially, you should record it. That's a song plugger, right? In the old lexicon, and it, and it has been uh, in Glee. It has been yeah, Miranda yeah. Cosgrove, who was iCarly, did it. Yes, I know the song yeah. was in a, a Visa yeah. Bank. Yeah. Spot. Yeah, mm-hmm. I actually yeah. heard it for the first time because I'm an avid Gilmore Girls fan, oh, and go. it was on right. an episode of Gilmore Girls, yes. and I fell in love with it. And I mean, I loved the Thank show, you. and it and it was so fitting for the characters that were in the show. So, yeah, that was where I heard it for the first time. Well, that's kind of interesting. The song has a use because it, it seems to have the uses that seems to generate good secular feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, which is mm-hmm. when, when you want to have a good secular feeling mood. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a go-to song, and <laughs> right. you know, from all faiths. You know, can you know? So it's it's nice. You know, it's not rumpa pum pum. Right, <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a little hipper, maybe. <laughs> all right, so we got we got tweet number two. Okay, tweet number two. We're moving on. This is from at Alex Cannon fourteen, and she asks, "Do you feel like what you earn from the royalties of your music is fair?" Loaded question. Mm. Well, it <laughs> that's was, where we want to go. Yeah, yeah it show. was fair, but we, you know, very good, very good question because, you know, obviously, you know, it's believe it or not, as corrupt and crazy as the music was, there was kind of a parody of what the song does in the world seem to equate more or less with its earning potential, and if it did more then you earned more and my stuff was kind of interesting because it never really soared and then flopped it kind of went up hit a wall and just stayed there mm-hmm. you know which was really interesting which is frankly for me personally the best of all possible worlds i have more or less a it does waver year from year fluctuate year from year but i have a relatively modest small earnings as opposed to one big spike and then you forget about it and you've gone out and bought the Porsche and you make the first three payments and you you know forget about it. So I'm very fortunate in that I have what I need to keep working. I have what I need to keep um, uh, exploring and doing all kinds of other crazy projects. Um, I've If you are interested in what I'm doing, you know, do the Facebook business and Google and all that. And uh, I have a wonderful website called Future Fossil Music and designed by a, a great cat in, in, in England named Keith Allison, and I, I'm doing all kinds of wacky stuff, and and only because I do have a modest income that keeps the wolf away. I do not have, 
you know, riches and, 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 and whatever. Um, I have enough to be an artist, and that's the win for me. Mm-hmm. Now, that, that um, earning stream, income stream, is, 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 is totally changing either morphing and or evaporating under the new streaming um, provisions, the new, the fact that there is a entire generation that has been conditioned or conditioned is the wrong word, has realized that music can be free. And so why pay for it? Mm-hmm. And, and in terms of the, we're looking at this, I'm looking at this BMI statement of mine, all 17 pages. And I think I told Dave earlier, you know, this is, this is not a piece of paper printed today. This is a you know piece of parchment. This is a uh, this is a this is a, uh, a clay tablet. Can you from this is an antique, mm-hmm. a royalty statement because it implies that monies were earned. And um, although certainly there is money earned by songs, it is radically changed. And um, the statement like this is going to get thinner and thinner and thinner. Um, and I don't see it changing back. But to, to interject, because I'm just thinking logically, I, I, I understand that from a publishing and from a master use, yes. why the royalty would be lower because <clears throat> sales at, at full retail price, right. downloads, CDs have gone down, and right. the streaming royalty that you're receiving is so much less. From a public performance perspective, though, I, I, w- I would think that your the royalty you're getting from BMI would be higher only because the business overall is growing. For example, Spotify just cut a deal with Uber, right? Which could conceivably help the music That's business. True. You're absolutely right. You know? And I, there are more outlets right. that are the playing more outlets. Music well, that is the that is one of the that is one of the things that they and it has to be a they and um, them versus us at this point and I'm feeling very much like an us mm-hmm. uh, yeah okay yeah they have all these deals but look how these deals were cut look look how look how the the um, uh, the arrangements between you know iTunes the initial uh, 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 arrangements with iTunes you know the record companies were were desperate they 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 cut less than you know they don't pay mechanical as far as far as I know they don't pay, pay statue or even close to it Mm-hmm. So, so yes, there may be more, more um, um, outlets or more ways for people to access the music that they love, or maybe even that they don't even know about yet. However, it's it is so spread so thin, and each one of those those are all, those deals are minuscule. That we get paid now in nano pennies, nano pennies. That. So that is that is that is the term. Please, um, oh okay, I, I'm going to read you one thing here. This is by Spotify. For for the last uh, Christmas quarter, oh wow, twenty one thousand seven hundred nine. Sorry, twenty one thousand seven hundred fifty. Real small type, twenty one thousand seven hundred fifty six plays on Spotify. Christmas wrapping, holy day, six dollars and fifty eight cents. Now, um, Whoa. that's that's pretty good. That's what like like what a Big Mac and a soda. Is that from BMI? That's mm-hmm. from BMI. That's, so that's your public so, performance. So that is my performance royalty right. or internet internet streaming. And as a writer publisher, as a writer right. publisher. Now, wow. now, where is where where are things still? And this is both wonderful and scary at the same time. The biggest payers are still network television and um, network television, <laughs> yeah. and and or Hollywood movies. Because no radio, uh, no radio is uh, you know with with their thirteen song playlists or whatever. No, you know maybe 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 that'll help. But as you can, you know, 
I'm holding. I'm holding my. Uh, my, uh, my <laughs> I'm holding my uh, uh, rolling statement up to the microphone. That most right. of my payments are international. Um, no, that doesn't work that way. Uh, TV and film are all that really work, uh, and they are because they work from uh, in terms of income right. generation because they are they are still functioning under very old terms, old negotiation stuff. Cable, cable. Remember when cable was like you know this? Who's going to watch cable? It's it's junk. You know we'll give these guys a deal. You know cable doesn't. Get, you know all of those, all of those rights that you you know were were ascribed to cable and all these new media. That's all been way below any kind of standard, and therefore um, way below any uh, aggregate ability for you know lugs like me to earn a living at it. Well, we should note that the labels aren't stupid. Though. No, I mean they whatever deal they. They made, for instance, with Spotify, which right. is a great example because they own twenty percent of Spotify. They right. bankrupt twenty, so they're paying themselves. They're paying themselves. Yeah, they have an so, equity interest. What's that great quote that we were? Uh, I'm paraphrasing. It was just on the tricordist. Hey, uh, music business one hundred and one people. Um, I strongly recommend that you um, uh, start reading a uh, website um, blog called the Tricordist. Uh, by David Lowry, mm-hmm. who um, is uh, extremely, extremely uh, 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 astute at monitoring the latest goings-on of, of, of um, royalty streams and how this whole use of music now is changing. Also and, a drummer. And also a damn good drummer from Cracker and Camber Van Beethoven. Right. Mm-hmm. right. right. Yeah. By the way, uh, we're, unfortunately, we're at... Like at a time. How about you read this one last tweet All right. and give us like a fifteen second response? Okay. Okay. All right. I got this one last tweet from at Jenny Sequa. Oh, Jenny Sequa. Yeah, I love your handle. Uh, so <laughs> she asks, "Is it worthwhile to try to write a Christmas song over writing a regular song? They seem to have a longer lifespan." Um, fifteen seconds. I. I, 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 I um, That's a great question. Yeah, uh, yeah great yeah. question. Jenny's um, a smart girl. I, I, I would, I would, I would write a regular song. Um, Christmas is kind of. Gl- Gutted, glutted now. Everybody does a Christmas record. Um, I, the number one recording of all time, correct me if I'm wrong, is White Christmas. White Christmas. Christmas. Ah. Okay, you know what? She's right. Really? He's right. <laughs> yeah. All right. You're right, Jenny. You're we right, decided. Jenny. Christmas song. You got it. <laughs> That's right. You got it. Yeah. That's it. Win-win. Yeah. That's Good right. Luck. So what I want to do real quick, I want to thank people who did tweet us. We did not get to most questions. You know, Bobby Mahoney, Mike Russo, Katie Sunstrom, Joelle, Barry, Melanie, uh, who else do we have? Uh, Mike and uh, Aaron and Devin and Tim and uh, Nadia and Anthony and Matt. I want to thank all you guys for this. Uh, we have been listening. Well, you have been listening. We've been acting and becoming part of Music Biz 101 and more. Uh, we are on Brave New Radio, 88.7. We're here every Wednesday except when we're not, at 8 o'clock in the p.m. time. This is a podcast that you will listen to on Stitcher.com. Follow us on Twitter. That's what it's called. At MusicBiz101WP. We're on Instagram. Uh, our producer every week is Philip Gorachowski. Thank you for that! Yay! Yay! Right. Our student co-host this week was the lovely and wonderfully fine Rebecca Morris. Rebecca, Rebecca Morris! Our guest this week has been Chris Butler, Bah Humbug of the Waitresses. And then, of course, we have the co-host of the year, Dr. Esteban Marconi! Don't come here next week with the turkey on your breath. No, no, no it. it'll be the day before turkey. Yes, so if we, we do that, we don't want to fall asleep uh, before the show <laughs> right, from the uh, right. whatever's in the thing. Oh, Philip's like, come on, we're gonna do. Okay, so we're gonna. So next week we're gonna have Philip's dad, Jim Nelly. But until then, we just want to say. Ah!